0: Our scripture lesson is taken both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. From the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 43, page 833 in the Pew Bible, page 833, Isaiah 43, reading the entire chapter. But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes, and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled who among them can declare this, and show us former things. Let them bring out their witness, that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, It is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he, and before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there is no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon, and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, And a path through the mighty waters. Who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have brought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Your first father sinned, and your mediators have transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. And then from the New Testament, from the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. John chapter 6, page uh, 1228. 1228 John 6 verse 16 Now when evening came his disciples went down to the sea got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum and it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Thus far as the reading of God's word may he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, the context of this account of Jesus walking on the water is, as many of you will recall, the feeding of the 5,000. The multitudes had come to Jesus in a wilderness-type place uh, near Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee, and they had come because He had been performing many miracles of healing, And when they came, they were not disappointed. He continued to heal the sick and to teach them, and they were with him for many hours during the day, and it got late, and Jesus was concerned about the fact that they hadn't prepared to stay so long. They didn't have enough food, and so he fed them. He fed them from five barley loaves and two fish, 5,000 men plus women and children sitting down in groups of 50 or 100 And uh, so that everyone could see and understand the miracle and see the disciples collecting 12 basketfuls of leftovers when everyone had eaten all that they could eat. It was truly an astounding miracle. Jesus, the bread of heaven, feeds them with miraculous bread in anticipation of saying to them that indeed he is the bread, the true bread from heaven. But... Though they correctly concluded that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Deuteronomy 18, that God would send a prophet like Moses, they misapplied that prophecy because they wanted another liberator. Moses had been a liberator, liberating them from bondage in Egypt. Now they were in bondage to Rome, and they said, this is the prophet like Moses, so let's make him our leader, let's make him our king. And Jesus had already been tempted in that regard in the wilderness of Satan to take the kingdoms uh, by the wrong way. He was destined indeed to be king and to rule the nations, but uh, not not Satan's way. And this was another temptation from Satan. And so he quickly uh, dispersed the crowds and sent his disciples away. John doesn't tell us this, but in the parallel accounts in Matthew 14 and Mark 6, we're told that uh, Jesus made haste to get his disciples away, away from that temptation, uh, that that Jesus could could be their king right now, and uh, then Jesus dismissed the crowds, and he went away as well, now in this account, Jesus comes to them, walking on the water through the storm, it was an eye Opening experience for the disciples. In the other accounts, uh, they uh, we hear what they concluded by seeing Jesus walking on the water in the storm. There it says, uh, "Truly, you are the Son of God." They were deeply impressed by this. Now, to fully understand what's going on, we need to to sort of uh, draw back from the text and view it in the broader context of what the Scripture teaches about storms and about the sea. They were on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples were in the midst of a storm, and this has uh, great significance in itself because in the Bible, stormy seas are a a metaphor for troubled times. We... uh, all know that lakes and seas are places of natural danger. Ever since people have sailed in boats and ships, it has been recognized as risky business. It's very, very rare that walking on solid ground, the ground will open up and swallow you alive. It has been known to happen. It happened once in the Bible. It happens in fictional uh, Accounts in the movies, uh, you see it uh, happening. Uh, But uh, uh, very rare does it happen to people that the earth will open up. But it is not at all rare, sadly, that uh, people on the ocean, on the sea, on the lake, uh, will have their boat capsize or sink. And the water will indeed swallow them up alive and they will go down to a watery grave that happens far too often. Even calm waters and shallow waters can be dangerous. But stormy weather on a lake is always dangerous. When a person is uh, confused and frightened... They sometimes use the English uh, expression or British expression, uh, I'm all at sea. I'm all at sea. Because when you're out on the sea, uh, especially if you're in a small boat, and you're out of sight of land, you can't see any land, but every direction you look, it's only water. It can be a very frightening experience, you know. <laughs> Which way do I go to get back home? Uh you had better taken in precaution in advance and brought a compass with you, but that expression I'm all at sea means I'm confused, I'm anxious and I'm worried. It's a common thing that people uh, experience trouble on the water. Now, because lakes and seas are places of danger, the Bible uses the sea as a metaphor uh, for the wicked. Both the wicked individually and the wicked corporately, particularly wicked nations or pagan nations, are often described as waves of the sea beating against one another. For example, in Isaiah 57, verses 20 and 21, But the wicked... Are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mud, mire, and dirt. Or Jeremiah 6.23. The sound of the nations arrayed against Israel in battle is a sound, quote, like the roaring of the sea, unquote. Uh, The roaring of the sea is the sound of the nations fighting against uh, Israel. In Jude 13, verse 13 of uh, Jude, it says there that blasphemers are like wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. In the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation, wicked uh, rulers rise, uh, wicked rulers of the nations rise out of the sea. And uh, in the new heavens... And the new earth, there won't be any sea, meaning there won't be any wicked and no wicked nations. When God promises great blessing from the nations for his people, he says it in a poetic couplet in Isaiah 60 verse 5, The abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Now, he's not saying two different things, that the abundance of the sea and the wealth of the nations are two separate and distinct things. Now this is a poetic couplet. Hebrew poetry has these couplets where uh, the second line explains the first line, the first line explains the second line, either by comparison or contrast. They explain each other. And the abundance of the sea and the wealth of the nations are uh, two ways of describing the same thing. God's power... Over the wicked is often represented as his power over the sea. In Jeremiah 5, verse 22, it says, uh, uh, God addresses the wicked and says, Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I placed the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. He's saying that as He has set the boundaries for the sea, so He will control the wicked. The wicked are depicted as waves beating against the shore of God's kingdom. And God is telling them, there's only so much you can do. You're under my power. You're under my control, just as I control the sea. Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, who is, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging seas. When, it, when its waves rise, you still them. When the waves of the sea rise, God stills them. And that inspires hope in the hearts of God's people because he knows that uh, the people know that God can control the wicked. Psalm 93, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord high is mighty. And again, Isaiah 23, verse 11, he has stretched out his hand over the sea, he has shaken the kingdoms. Stretching his hand over the sea, shaking the kingdoms, poetic couplet again explaining each other. From these affirmations of God's power over nature, God's people take comfort that that He will protect them from the power of the evil one and uh, from the power of the wicked, and He will deliver them from all evil. But with this in mind, let us uh, uh, come now again to our text and take note here, first of all, that, that Jesus sent His disciples out into the storm. John tells us that after feeding the 5,000, Jesus withdrew to a mountain to himself, and the disciples got into the boat. But as I mentioned earlier, Matthew 14 and Mark 6 make specific mention that, that Jesus put them in the boat and sent them out into the sea, knowing that there was a storm out there. For indeed, Jesus knows in his divine nature, knows all things. And uh, he, he purposely sent them out there uh, alone. Of course, he didn't send them completely alone because he went up on the mountain to pray. And the disciples... Out on the sea, as it were, fighting for their lives against the waves, beating uh, against the boat and threatening to capsize them and drown them. And Jesus up on the mountain praying. It is uh, reminiscent of a picture from the Old Testament when Joshua was down in the valley fighting against, I believe it was the Amalekites. And uh, Moses was up on the mountain praying. And as long as Moses kept his hands lifted up in prayer, Joshua prevailed down in the valley and and so forth. And now we have Jesus uh, up on the mountain and praying and the disciples out in the battlefield fighting the waves. Symbolically uh, fighting against uh, the wicked. Now, it's not unusual that God does this. That he sends his people out into the storm. Uh, Psalm verse 34 verse 15 many are the afflictions of the righteous you might think that that verse should say many are the afflictions of the wicked but it doesn't say many are the afflictions of the wicked it says many are the afflictions of the righteous and Jesus in John 16:33 says to his disciples in this world you will have tribulations in this world you will have tribulation And again, Acts 14, verse 22, Paul says, Through many troubles we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many troubles we must enter the kingdom of God. And Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 6, Now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. God sends his people into the storm. Jesus sent His disciples into the storm. God sends us into the storm, into the battle, into the fray with all forces of wickedness that are in the world to fight uh, the good fight of faith. Why does He do that? Well, He does it to treat us, to teach us, to draw closer to Him. Psalm 107 uh, says, Some went down to the sea in ships, Doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep, for He commanded and raised up the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heavens, they went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. God sent them into the sea. He raised up the storm. They cried out to Him, and He calmed the sea. In Psalm 50, verse 15, it says, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. God sends us into the storm of trouble so that we will learn to call on Him, so that we will learn to rely on Him. When we cry to Him, He delivers us. Our faith is strengthened. Storms are sent to draw us closer to Him and uh, uh, enable us to uh, rely more fully upon Him. Isaiah 19 says, When they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a Savior and a Defender and deliver them. But you might wonder, why does God draw us closer to Himself through storms? Why not, why not shower our lives with blessing? Why not give us riches and honor and glory and make us shine like stars in this world so that all the wicked are envious of the people of God because the people of God have it so good in this world? Why not draw us closer to himself that way? Well, he's tried that once in the garden. It, uh, mankind failed. We failed the test. We, we became proud and wanted to be like God. You know, God showered Job with blessings, but when God allowed Satan to take those blessings away, we find out that... That Job, even Job had, who, righteous Job, had lessons to learn. He, he still didn't know everything he needed to know. He, was, he, he wanted to contend with God. He, he wanted to uh, bring his case before God. He thought he had a, a reason to complain against God. And when God finally answered him, he realized, I need to shut my mouth. <laughs> I spoke out of turn. And uh, he humbled himself. He also, righteous Job, in all his righteousness, in all his blessings, he still had some pride that needed to be humbled. And so that good man had to be thrown into the storm to learn some lessons. When troubles come, it's not necessarily because we've sinned, but simply because we still have more that we need to learn from God. And so He sends us into the storm. Now, the next thing we need to take note of here is that Jesus comes to His disciples in the storm. He comes to His disciples. He doesn't just send them out there, but he, he comes to them, and He comes through the storm. He comes walking on the water. In Isaiah 43, we read, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a pathway in the mighty waters. Jesus is fulfilling the Scriptures. He's showing himself to be the Lord, the Lord of Isaiah 43, who makes his way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. And in that same chapter, he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And so, when he sends his disciples out into the storm... He goes out there to be with them so that they are not overwhelmed. God is a very present help in time of trouble. When He comes to us in the storm, His message is clear. It is I, fear not. In Matthew and Mark, it's even more comforting. He says, Take heart, take heart, don't be afraid. It is I, fear not. In the storm, the disciples were afraid, but the storm threatened death. And when they first saw Jesus, they were even more afraid because they thought his ability to walk on water was the fact that he was a ghost. They didn't recognize Jesus. They thought it was a ghost. And people are frightened by ghosts. Ghosts uh, are frightening for a number of reasons. Uh, Some people think ghosts uh, can harm us and uh, threaten us with danger, threaten to kill us. Others are, uh, uh, believe that uh, ghosts are an omen, an omen of our impending death, not necessarily because the ghost is going to kill us, but we see a ghost because we are about to become one ourselves. But I think uh, most people, uh, if uh, they see a ghost, if there uh, are such things uh, uh, to see, that uh, the idea is that it... It illuminates us to the fact that the supernatural realm is real, and if the supernatural realm is real, God is real, and if God is real, there is a judge to whom we must give an account. So seeing ghosts uh, threatens us with harm is an omen of death and is a sign of judgment to come. And the disciples think they see a ghost, and so they are afraid. But those who are terrified of bodily harm or death or judgment, to them Jesus says, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Now this is a remarkable statement by Jesus. For by walking on the water and walking through the storm, he shows himself to be the Lord. He's deliberately taken something, done something to show that he is the fulfillment of Isaiah 43 and all these Psalms uh, that uh, speak about God in the midst of the storm and the sea, and he's about to calm the storm, which again uh, is the fulfillment of a couple of different Psalms. And he's showing himself as God. And when human beings see God... (laughs) The immediate reaction is, oh no, I'm in trouble. (laughs) You know, he's a holy God, and in the light of his holiness, my sin is exposed. Jesus is exposing himself as God, as Lord, as judge. He had just in uh, a previous context in this uh, previous chapter, chapter 5, said, all judgment has been entrusted to me by the Father, so they know he's the judge and he's God. And he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why is it that we shouldn't be afraid of him who is the judge? Because he has taken the judgment for us. There is a sense in which we can say Jesus has gone beneath the waves, been swallowed up by the waves for us. All God's waves and breakers have come over Him, and He has suffered the judgment in our place. There's one place in the Bible where, in the New Testament, where the the enemies of Jesus ask for a sign, and He says, no sign will be given you except the sign of Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the depths of the sea. And that's a sign, says Jesus, because as he came up, uh, so I will come up. After three days in the tomb, I will come up also to new life. But Jesus goes down into the depths and takes the wrath of God in our place so that we are delivered from the sea and from the depths and do not fall under judgment. Because Jesus came to suffer and die in our place to take the judgment that our sins deserve, all who believe in him need not be afraid, even as he reveals his divine glory. Even as he reveals his divinity, we don't need to be afraid because he has taken the judgment for us. He has gone beneath the waves for us. They can't hurt us anymore. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. They shall not take you away because he has forgiven your iniquities. He has cleansed all your sin. Jesus is a great Savior. And he does one more thing in this chapter that we are in this section that we should take note of. And that's that as soon as he gets in the boat, not only is the sea calm, but they are immediately at their destination. Now, some people have inferred from this because the text doesn't say it, but they, they take this inference that this means that when Jesus comes into your life, as he came into that boat then all your troubles go away. Well, again, the text doesn't say that. And I admit that that is a possible inference. But possible inferences aren't always correct inferences. We must always interpret the implicit in light of the explicit. There are some inferences in Scripture that are... uh, Blatantly wrong. For example, some people like to go to the text that says that in Christ we are no longer male nor female, but all one in Christ, and say that, that implies, that infers that, that we, we, we we're all the same, and we shouldn't make uh, distinctions between male and female anymore, but treat everybody exactly the same in everything. Well, that is a possible inference, but it's not a correct inference in the light of the rest of Scripture where Paul makes clear that uh, women and men are treated differently, especially in the church. And this is the case here also, that although it's possible to to take that as a, a possible implication that Jesus is going to make all our troubles go away, the passages that I read earlier about many are the afflictions of the righteous, and now you have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials, and only through many tribulations can we enter the kingdom. Those passages make clear that Jesus doesn't make all our troubles go away when he comes into our lives. That's not uh, a correct inference from the texts. Well, what does it mean? Well, first of all, it's, it's part of the miracle by which he is revealing his divinity. Uh, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This uh, was another of the miracles by which Jesus revealed his glory. But I think there is a, another meaning as well, and that is that when We are in the storms of life. When trouble is uh, beating against us uh, like waves beating against the shore, uh, threatening to uh, wash us all away and carry us into the depths of destruction, Uh, when we are in such situation and we cry to God, we must rely on God and God alone to deliver us. You know, Jesus doesn't get into the boat and say to his disciples, Okay, guys, pull hard on the oars now, and maybe we'll get to shore. No, it's by his strength and his strength alone that they are delivered. Paul, Paul writes about this in, in 2 Corinthians when he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul's saying we were in trouble. (laughs) We we were in such deep trouble, we thought we were going to die. But, he says, that was to make us rely, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us On Him we have set our hope, that He will deliver us again. He's fully expecting that He'll be thrown into the storm again, and be seemingly under the sentence of death again. But He has hope that God will deliver Him. This was to teach us, He says, to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again when you're in trouble. Don't say, God, I need a little help. I can do most of this myself, but I just need a little help. Oh say, Lord, I am helpless, and I need You. I need You all the time in every way, for apart from You, I can do nothing. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God who sends us into the storm, but does not leave us alone in the storm, but comes to us and has endured the storm in our place to deliver us from it. And we thank you you that you have delivered us even from the sentence of death and from condemnation so that we are now adopted into your family and made heirs of eternal life. And we thank you that not even the death of the body can separate us from your love at this time, but only brings us closer to yourself. Oh, Father, we have been in the storm many times, and you have never disappointed us. You have helped us. Teach us to rely upon you always, and to put our hope in your strength and your strength alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.